Judith Amkraut Flammenbaum uh, is my married name. I you grew up? up partially in Brooklyn, and then my family moved to Queens, So, and I grew up in Astoria. I now live in Manhattan, and um, I graduated in 1959. So let's start at the beginning. What do you remember, if anything, about your first day or first couple days of rock science? <laughs> I was scared to death. First of all, I lived in Astoria, and it took me almost an hour and a half by bus and two trains to get to what was then the only building, the old building. Mm -hmm. I had come from a neighborhood that was very different from the type of students I met at Bronx Science, that it was going to be very different. And I was sure that I'd be the stupidest person in the class. Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that they even accepted me. Yeah. I, I must have gotten to school an hour early. <laughs> Scared out of my wits. And within a week, I had friends and I felt fairly comfortable. Mm. Always, through all the years I... I went to science. I kept thinking, these kids are so smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was a pleasure actually mm. for me to be amongst what I felt were my own. This sounds terrible. I feel no, like I'm you, being there's no wrong little, answer. But the, most of the students I went to um, elementary and junior high school with, it wasn't because they were slow. Education was not anything that was important to them. They never saw themselves going further than they, they could. And I knew that they would all be going to the same high school. And I thought, I can't do that. Hmm. What was it about that school for you that made you feel like I just can't? It was one of those things that I was, because I was the only Jew in my class, mm -hmm. um, I was always known as the Jewish girl. Yeah. It was very difficult for me. There was no real anti-Semitism, but it was very obvious that I was not like everybody else. You were the other. I was the other. Yeah. And we were not even a religious family at right. all, but it didn't matter. Let's go inside the classroom. Uh, any teachers or particular classes that stand out in your mind as being particularly yeah. important? The, the, I had a, a lot of good teachers, but there was one who was outstanding, and he's the one who actually put me where I am today mm -hmm. in a very weird way. <laughs> um, English teacher. He was a professor at City College and also taught at um, Bronx Science. His name is Dr. Mannheim. The most exciting, incredibly brilliant man. His classes were... You, you, you were just flying out of your seat all the time. He had a wonderful way of teaching. And I hadn't taken many English classes, but he made everything live. And he made us really push and learn things that I, I never thought I could do. Mm. And so I, I'm going to be an English major. I just know yeah. that this is where my heart is. Yeah. And that's what happened. I mm. went to Queens College. I ended up, after I graduated, I went on to teach in Harlem, and I taught English. 
I had just been married. I was 21 years old, <laughs> teaching junior high school kids in Harlem who um, I, I was literally in most of my classes the only white person. Yeah. Um, my favorite class, and I'm still f- close to a whole bunch <laughs> of the kids in that class, were very bright, extremely bright. And um, I had one Asian girl and one Puerto Rican boy in that class. So it was, for me, it was a learning experience. And that was really the time, it was in the 50s, early 60s, the mm-hmm. time of civil rights movement. Right. And boy, you know, I felt like I was in, really involved in all of this. And I was involved in the activism at that time, too, as my sister was. And what I found out, because so many of my students were so poor, um, had kids who didn't come every day. Right. And I would call their mothers in to speak with them, and only to find out that they had a brother who was older, and they had to share shoes, and they had to go to school every other day kind of thing. It was really stunning to me. I grew up in not a wealthy family, but I, it was, this was beyond. And very often, I noticed that these women were despondent. Some of them had black eyes. Some, and I was able to, one, one mother who just poured her heart out to me, mm-hmm. she was an abused woman. To me, this was something that was new. And I discovered over time, after speaking to some of the teachers who had been teaching in that school for a while, that this was not an uncommon problem. And I couldn't do anything. They would ask me, you know, help me. It it bothered me for many, many years. You know, what could I have done Mm. to help them? And of course, what kept coming up was, had you been a lawyer, you could have done something for them. When um, my 50th birthday <laughs> was approaching, <laughs> the kids were grown, and I said to myself, if I don't try to go to law school, I'm going to die hating myself. <laughs> there are no lawyers in my family. I really never had any occasion to be with lawyers. Yeah. But I had this idea. And I said, I'm going to do this. And I took the LSATs thinking, I'm not going to do well enough to get into any school, so it doesn't matter. But at least I will have tried. And that was the whole idea. As a matter of fact, I had not told my family. I have two sons. My husband was very angry at me because I had not confided in him. But I was really afraid of telling anybody. Oh, you hadn't told your husband at that point either? You hadn't told anyone? All of them were shocked. And he and I said to him, I just I was afraid of telling even my closest friends or anybody because what if I didn't right. do well? I, this way, if I didn't get in, I nobody would ever know. Right. But I really decided I had to tell them because <laughs> something did happen. Yeah. Um, we came home and there was this big Manila envelope waiting, and I saw CUNY Law School on it, and we were off to go to a. Um, community meeting and that was the village was a village at the time and we everybody went to these meetings so mm. I carried it with me <laughs> and my husband kept saying open it 
And I was like, I can't. <laughs> and I held it with me until I got home. <laughs> and then, I'm going to oh, accept it. Sweet. And that's when I really got scared. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh all of a sudden now. you can't bury it anymore. Yeah. You got to actually do go. it. And um, it was, those were the three most wonderful years, mm. um, not of my whole life, but a, a good, yeah. one of the best three. It's a brave thing to do, to just say, I'm going to uproot the day-to-day structure and do something else. It, um, you know, yeah. I, I never, for me, it was something that I wanted to do for so long mm. that um, I, I, I did it with a smile, yeah. <laughs> not saying, oh, my gosh, this is a big major change in my life, which it was. Um, fortunately, when I started law school, I mean, the work took up all my time. It yeah. was very uh, difficult for me at first to get back into being a student, especially in in uh, law school. Yeah. And I would come home every day, and he did the cooking, mm took care of all of that so that I was able to study and there was a lot of studying to do and for three years and he said well you I helped when he was in medical school we were married after he finished his first year Mm. and um, I was working I was teaching English at that time in Harlem so I was supporting us at that time, and so he supported me during that. Yeah. So it worked out very well. We've been married 52 years now, wow. so I think it's okay. So it's something's working, yeah. Um, between the time uh, that you pass the bar and the time that you are finally sworn in is a six-month period. Mm. What I did was to um, go to a, a group which was formed while I was in law school, or maybe right before it, it had just started. It's called Sanctuary for Families. I went there for the six months and learned even more. And they were dealing with women who were who could not afford to pay an attorney. And I said to myself, no, nah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's a need for somebody who will charge money but also represent these women. Right. And what I did was found a lovely office right near the courthouses. And I had two big windows that looked out onto the World Trade Center. Mm. The morning of 9-11, I was late. I, I would have been there, but um, I didn't get back to my office for about six to eight weeks. And I had to go to court during that time. Um <laughs> Because life stands still, but it doesn't stand still. You well, know, you're... It, the building was fine, but it had to be inspected yeah. to make sure, and it was fine, and we were able to get back. We couldn't see through our windows. They were just glued with God knows what. Mm. It, they had to use acid to take off this thing. And there, this is where my guilt comes in. People would come into the office and say, oh, what a great view of the World Trade Center. And I would think to myself, they're the two ugliest buildings. (laughs) If they disappeared, I could see the Statue of Liberty. Imagine that that actually happened. Yeah. And that I could see the Statue of Liberty and 
I overlooked the pit for a year. Mm. And I said, I couldn't stay any longer. First of all, it became a circus. Right. And then every time there was a whistle and silence, we knew they were taking out another body. And <sighs> so we did it for a year. And then I said, I can't stay here any longer. But it was a fascinating time for mm. me. And um, sometimes heartbreaking. Yeah. But um, I have to say that it was... It was very exciting. Yeah. Uh, all because I went to college and became an English major yeah. because of Dr. Mannheim. <laughs> yeah. So I want to go back yes. to that moment, though, as a kind right. of jump-off moment. You know, the, the word that you used to describe it was he, he made you push. Yes. Um, because what do you mean by that? I think for the first time, uh, many of us were forced because it was <laughs> yeah. to read uh, poetry and literature that we probably wouldn't have done until we got to college, but he felt, you know, you're in Broadside, you right. can do this. Yeah. And I remember going through um, one particular, isn't that interesting that I'm, oh, Walt Whitman, Song mm. of Myself, mm. and going through it, you know, reading it on our own for homework, and then actually going through that poem, you know, word by word, and pulling it apart, unpacking, and, just, and it was yeah. so interesting. It was never did that before. This is an interesting story, and I don't know how many people know this story. Um, we were the class who brought all the books to the library. <laughs> So, okay, this is awesome because I've heard this story kind of apocryphally, but it's for real. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we were the class. You were so the 59. We've confirmed it that it actually we happened. moved into the new building. The classes moved yeah. in, it wasn't finished yet. Mm. And so, we were only there for a very, very short period of time. Yeah. I don't even know what it looks like now because <laughs> I have, I've been back once mm. and I hate the mural. <laughs> Well, there was because we had a swimming pool. Right. And it was great yeah. to have swim lessons and a pool, yeah. and it was wonderful. And then they said, should we have a swimming pool? Just a general. <laughs> we just got generations of resentment about this mural. It's amazing. Oh, you don't. One of the lines of continuity between all these interviews, just generations of it. It's Isn't great. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I, I, I'm not, actually, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it was something that we were very upset about. <laughs> All right, last thing. Uh, any uh, any other people or stories or just thoughts about the place that you want to make sure get included in this? You know, we, we were so fortunate to be able to go to these schools. Now, my sons both were teenagers when we moved back to New York. Mm. When we brought them back to our home town, um, we realized that they could not go to the public schools because they were terrible. Mm. And they went to private school, which cost us a fortune. Yeah. They had wonderful educations, but I had, I think, even even better one. Yeah. Free of charge, so <laughs> except for the subway ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so to that end, if there was one or two things that you hope a Bronx science student now is experiencing something that you took from there that you you hope people are walking away from now. 
I'm hoping that they walk away feeling the way that most of us did, who I know. I went to my science. I'm so happy I did. <laughs>